Welcome to you and everybody who's joining us online, our friends, our guests. We are in the second week of a brand new series here at Hope called Jesus at the Table. And uh, as I mentioned last week, we are eating our way through the Gospel of Luke. How awesome is that? Because one of the cool themes in Luke's Gospel is how often Jesus shares meals with people. Many lives are changed by Jesus in Luke's gospel around the table. And so the table becomes the answer to our questions like, how do I impact people for Christ, my neighbor, my coworker? How do I get some closer relationships in my church family? Where can I have some intentional conversations with my children about their weekly Kids Connection verse. May I suggest the table. The table is one of the places where... I'm going to slip on that and probably kill myself. The table is one of the most natural places for God to do his work. So... Ask Jesus how your table can be a place for lives to be changed by him. All right, that's our recap. I'm excited about today's message. I'm going to tell you about a table where we can discover a more passionate love for Jesus. How many of you guys know love can look a little crazy? Sometimes it does, right? It gets a little crazy. I was at uh, my favorite coffee shop with a friend many years ago. We got a coffee. We sat down at a nice table right by a window. Then there was this other young couple that came in. They got their coffee, and then they went outside, and they sat at the table that was just on the other side of where my friend and I were enjoying our coffee. And they were, you know, we could see them. They were close. There was just a window separating us, but that was okay. We didn't mind, except that they weren't drinking their coffee. They were making out. I'm not talking just a little kiss. It was a sustained lip-to-lip lock right there, right next to me and my friend drinking our coffee. I'm looking for the window shade, something, knocking on the glass. Hey, who does that? Crazy people, I'm telling you. People crazy in love. When Angie and I were dating in college, we both served in our church's youth ministry and the youth pastor wanted to do a fun game. So he invited some couples up on stage and uh, he would ask questions and then each person was supposed to write their response and you see if the couple comes up with the same answer, kind of like the newlywed game. So the question was, um, what sweet nickname does Brian like to use to refer to Angie? We thought for a minute and wrote down our answers. Angie reveals, honey, a very safe answer. And then I showed my response, which was, my love, my lover, my passionate lover, in front of the youth pastor and the entire youth group. My poor, sweet girlfriend was just downright embarrassed by me. So what's my point this morning? Number one, don't make out in public. Number two, sometimes love looks a little wild. And we are here. We love Jesus. We love Jesus much. 
How do you think that looks? So many people around us in our culture today love Jesus little. And we can love Jesus little and still look cool, but if we're going to love Jesus much in a world that loves Jesus little, you better believe it's going to look a little crazy sometimes. As some of us have been going to church for a long time, and I would just ask this morning, where'd the excitement go? Where's the passion? And maybe, you, maybe there was a moment in your life where you experienced this incredible love for Jesus in the past. But lately, in your home, with your coworkers, around your friends, maybe they don't see that love for Jesus. Maybe Jesus isn't the priority in your life that he maybe once was, which is sad because at one time there was this passion for Christ. And you just don't know how to get it back. Maybe you're here today, you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a Christian. You uh, got picked up by your friend. You thought you were going out to a restaurant, they brought you to church. Okay, that's not exactly Jesus, that's not exactly what we're talking about, Jesus at the table. But you're here, and we're glad you're here. And maybe there's never, you've never heard a reason for why you would love Jesus and why you would give your heart to him. Today, I want to tell you the true story of a woman who loved Jesus much. And to everyone around her, she was over the top. Her love looked crazy. We're going to see her love wasn't crazy. Because she had a reason for displaying such extravagant love for Jesus. And I can't wait for you to see it because the moment you see it, you will be inspired. You'll want to love Jesus more. You'll live with greater passion for Christ. And we can find her story in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. Why would we love Jesus so much? What, what would be our motivation today? What stirs up greater love in our hearts? Luke 7, 36 through 50. An amazing true story of Jesus at the table. Here's what it says. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind Jesus at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, This man were a prophet. He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, but she is a sinner. Jesus answered him. He read his thoughts. That's pretty cool. Do you notice that? He's thinking to himself, oh, if this guy were a prophet, he's like, let me tell you what you're thinking. Pretty cool. Simon, I have something to say to you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? 
I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Because only God could actually forgive our sins. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And this is the word of the Lord. Let's open with a word of prayer. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the power of your word that can change our hearts, that can break the hardness of our hearts and inspire radical, passionate love. And I pray that as we study your word, that you would fill our hearts with the joy of salvation. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're looking at the story of this woman who does something crazy. She loves Jesus much around the table of a man who loved Jesus very little. And it looked radical. It looked passionate. And the question I'm asking today is, what was her motivation? What led her to do this? What could motivate us to love Jesus so fearlessly, so over the top, so passionately? And very simply, it's the wonderful truth. So the big idea today is that Jesus forgives much. Jesus forgives much. We're looking today at one of the most incredible stories of forgiveness in the entire Bible. And immediately as we enter this story, we meet two very opposite people. Did you notice? First of all, we're introduced to Simon, who is the Pharisee. This is verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So here's a Pharisee who's invited Jesus to come to dinner. Jesus is going to be the guest of honor. Who's the Pharisee? Who's the Pharisee? What were the Pharisees? The Pharisees in Jesus' day were the most religious people. The word Pharisee means separate one. So they believed in living good, moral, religious lives, not only separating themselves from sin, but they actually believed in separating themselves from sinners. And it is this that brings them into such opposition to Jesus. Because even though Jesus is, is good, Jesus is holy, Jesus' heart is for sinners. Last week we saw Jesus shares a meal with sinners. And this week, Jesus comes to the table of a religious man. And Jesus makes himself available to both. Right? Both the irreligious and the religious, because whoever you are, we all need Jesus. We all need forgiveness. It's a powerful story. Simon the Pharisee, he's heard of Jesus, people are talking about Jesus. Oh, he's a prophet. This could be somebody sent from God. Simon's not so sure. 
He's wondering, who is this Jesus? And so he throws a party. Jesus is going to be the guest of honor. Now, this type of an event, where there's a well-known teacher in the area, he's going to this party to be a guest of honor. I want you to know, this wouldn't have been some sort of a private event. But it would have been a much more public affair. And even people who weren't invited guests could uh, sort of slip in. The gates were left unlocked, the door was left open, and a lot of times houses had the bigger courtyards, and so people could simply slip in, as we see happens in the story. Also notice that it says, Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. I think that's kind of cool. Here's a picture of uh, maybe some disciples and Jesus reclining at the table. In Jesus' day, reclining at the table was, uh, the, it was a way of eating a, a special meal together. So in the Vincent home, like we normally eat at the kitchen table, but every once in a while, we'll get our food, we'll sit on the couch, and we'll watch a show. That's pretty fun. So you can imagine here, like, here's a special banquet, and people are going to come, and they're going to recline at the table. Their cushions, everybody's laying on their side, their feet are stretched out, they're using their right hand to eat and have conversation. Like, you could kind of hang out and talk for a while like this. And, and people, are, this is an open event. People can come in and lean against the back wall and listen to the discussion that's taking place. So with these doors open and guests reclining at the table, look who suddenly makes her way into the religious man's home. Did you notice? A woman who was a sinner. And you say, oh, no, she didn't. Oh, yes, she did. Verse 37 a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Can you imagine this scene? This woman is not religious. Luke tells us this woman is a sinner, and she's known that way by everyone in the town. And she's, she suddenly comes to the house of religious man. Now, we don't know what her sin is. It doesn't tell us. We could maybe guess or make some conjectures, but here she is. And she's had the audacity to walk into a meeting with a bunch of religious people. Who is this woman? You might say this is a courageous woman, and you would be right. Or you might say, this is a woman, maybe a change has taken place in her life. Maybe she's heard Jesus say, come and follow me, and she's left everything to follow him. Maybe this is a woman who's not who she used to be and is not who everyone thinks she is. Because as I read this story, when the woman comes into this room, she knows exactly what she's doing. The alabaster jar is in her hand. She is there for Jesus. And do you see what she does? She stood behind Jesus, verse 38, at his feet, weeping. 
She begins to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissing them and pouring perfume on them. Wow. So at this point, everybody's eyes are popping out of their heads. Right? Everybody in the room's just witnessed a woman who's known as a sinner. Right? pouring out on Jesus a very emotional, extravagant, and public display of affection. The religious people are mortified. This is not your normal dinner party anymore. What's going on? When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself in his head, if this man were a prophet... He would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Well, Jesus actually knows everything that's going on and knows who this woman is. I love his response. Jesus speaks up and he tells an incredible story about forgiveness. Verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. And then here comes a parable. Jesus loved communicating with story. Well, what's a parable? A parable is a short story that teaches a profound truth. What is that? What is the truth? Listen to this, verse 41. Jesus says two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii. The other 50 Neither of them had the money to pay, to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Jesus tells a story. It's a story about debt. Now, most Americans today can relate. Because most of us are living in debt, whether that's school debt or a car loan or a mortgage payment. Credit card debt is at record highs and the interest rates on those debts go higher and higher. You know, the interest rates are record highs too. Well over 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. So what do you do when you can't pay that debt? Well, here's what Jesus said. He says in our story, there are two people who owe money. One owes a little, one owes a lot. Neither of them can pay. One owes 50 denarii, the other 500. Denarii is just a day's wage for a laborer in that time or a soldier. One owes a certain amount, the other owes 10 times the amount. They have an enormous debt. When neither could pay, the money lender forgives them both. Could you imagine? After feeling all that burden and stress of trying to make those payments, pay those bills, suddenly you get the call, you get the letter that says, there is no more student loan. I'll keep the car. We canceled all the rest of the payments. Your mortgage is gone. Wow, could you imagine the, the freedom of that? being forgiven of all that debt. What money lender would do that? 
There is no money lender today that's going to say, oh, I'm sorry, you can't pay that bill. We're just going to cancel all your debt. Tell you, Visa won't do it. MasterCard, no. Nope. Bank, no. Nope. Chase, Bank of America, none of them are going to do that for us. Not going to do it for me, not going to do it for you. And it was the same thing for moneylenders in Jesus' day. He had debt paid, a debt owed had to become a debt paid. But look at Jesus. Jesus says, I'm like this moneylender. I do something surprising, something unexpected, something that you're going to love. You see, Jesus forgives much. He forgives much. Maybe you can relate to this sinful woman. She had a huge debt. She was far from God. And maybe you're there today. Think about your past or sin in your life. No matter how great that is, we learn in this passage, here is a woman who felt like she had an incalculable weight of sin. And Jesus forgave it all. You see what Jesus said in verse 47? I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And if Jesus can forgive her sin, Jesus can forgive your sin. He can forgive my sin. We can bring our guilt and our shame to Jesus. And he'll forgive it all. Because God wants a relationship with you and with me where all of our sin is forgiven. It, 1 Timothy 1.15 says, here's a trustworthy saying. You can bank on this. And it deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Apostle Paul says, of whom I am the worst. That we can feel like the worst of sinners. But Jesus forgives much. We can come to Jesus. He is a friend of sinners. He saves sinners. All we need to do is ask. And he forgives. He forgives forever. But notice with me, this woman is not the only sinner in our story. Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Let's put the parable up. How many people owed money? What does it say? Two people owed money. One owed a little, one owed a lot. Neither of them could pay. And the money lender was willing to forgive them both. There are two stories in this, two sinners in this story. One is sinful, and the other is religious. Both need Jesus. Both need forgiveness. Maybe you relate a little bit less today to the sinful woman and more to the religious guy. You might say, I grew up in a religious home. I believe in God. I go to church. I, I, I believe in uh, morals and values and passing those on to my kids. I made good choices in my life. I don't do bad things. Pastor Brian, I am a good person. And I believe you. 
I believe Simon the Pharisee was a good person. Right? Pharisees were the most religious people in Jesus' day. We're going to learn later in our study of Luke exactly how religious Pharisees are. The Pharisees would set aside three times a day to pray. So they're praying three times a day. They're going to fast two days a week. They're going to give 10% of all of their income. And Jesus says, two people owed money. Simon, you have a debt that you can't pay. If someone as religious and moral as Simon needs forgiveness, how much more do I, how much more do we? See, being a good person does not erase our sin. If, if all it took was to be a good person, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross, would he? But our good deeds don't erase our sin. We need Christ. We need Jesus, right? Uh, we can... We could go to church, know our Bible, call ourselves a Christian, and never actually deal with the sin in our heart or the reality of our separation from God. And we cover it with religion, but that just leads to hypocrisy. We've all seen that. See, forgiven people are the most authentic people. And if we could just be real with one another, Religious, irreligious, whoever you are, we all need forgiveness. We all need Jesus and what the salvation that only he can provide. Every single one of us. Right? Two people owed money. And when neither could pay, the debt of each was forgiven. The Bible says in Romans 6.23... The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. It's separation from God. It's an eternity separated from his presence. But come on, the good news, the free gift of God is eternal life, forgiveness of sins. Right? Well, who pays? Jesus paid the price for our sin shedding his precious blood on the cross. He paid the price by dying and rising from the dead so that simply by trusting in Jesus, we are forever forgiven. And the barrier between us and God is gone. We are free. We are forgiven. We begin an eternal life with God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, no wonder this woman in our story is so bold in coming before Jesus. I believe she knows exactly what Jesus has done for her. And when she shows up at that party with the alabaster jar in her hand, she knows exactly what she's doing. She loves Jesus. She loves Jesus much. And I want you to feel the power of God's forgiveness this morning. Right? Jesus forgives much. And when the, this question of how... Why would we love Jesus like crazy? Why would we live with passion for Christ, even in a world that sometimes doesn't? Jesus shows us through this story, we are forgiven much, and look at this, he explains, those forgiven much love much. Those who've experienced incredible forgiveness can't 
help but return incredible love. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. When Jesus' day, when a special guest arrived at your house, you would give them water for their feet. They've been wearing sandals, watch, walking on dusty roads, so have some water to wipe their feet, maybe give them, greet them with a kiss. You know, like, uh, I guess that's kind of like in France, where you get the, or I think Italians do that too, don't they? Do a little kiss on the cheek, maybe, I don't know. I'm German, I don't know if that's a thing. Um, what else? Uh, the kiss, how about oil for the head? You've been walking in the hot sun. So just some friendly ways of welcoming a special guest into your home. Jesus is the guest of honor at this party. So how much common courtesy has Simon showed Jesus? Answer, zero. Right? Zero love, zero sense of being forgiven. How about the woman? Well, Simon didn't wash Jesus' feet, but she does. She comes in weeping. The word Jesus used to describe her tears is the same word for rain showers. Tears, hot tears, are pouring out of her eyes right onto Jesus' feet, and she wipes those away with her hair. Simon didn't greet Jesus with a kiss, not even a handshake, not even a high five or a pat on the back. Hey, bud. How about this woman? She couldn't stop kissing Jesus' feet. I had this, this deep reverence for Jesus, deep love for Jesus, kisses and kisses. Simon didn't anoint Jesus, but the woman did. She took the alabaster jar she brought to this party specifically for Jesus, and she poured the precious and expensive perfume all over Jesus' feet. It was an act of worship and gratitude. She loved Jesus. Not just a little. She loved Jesus much. She loved Jesus like crazy. Because those who are forgiven much love Jesus much. And they pour out their love for Jesus. And maybe that's you. Maybe it's you today when you were forgiven. There was a passion for Christ in your heart. Right? You started to do crazy things for Jesus. You had such a love for him. You'd wet his feet with your tears, wipe his feet with your hair, kiss his feet with your lips. Some of you, that's how much you love Christ today. Right? He's your all. He's your passion. You're living your life for him. 
Like some of you get up at dark 30 in the morning because you want to be with Jesus. You want to hear His Word and, and talk to Him as you pray and pour out your heart to Him. You're, you're encountering Jesus even as you start your day or you're, you end your day. These, there's a value for that. You're just going to be with Him. And some of you, you, when you go to work, it's like you're, you're going to work with Jesus and you shine His light and you, you find those moments where you talk to your coworkers about Jesus or you invite them to church. As some of you I literally like have prayed publicly for a coworker in a secular work environment. Who does that? That's crazy. That's what I'm talking about today. Or what about those ordinary moments? Like greeting somebody like this woman. Or you're doing your homework. Or you're raising kids can do even the smallest tasks with enormous love in our heart for Jesus. How much do we love Jesus? Scale of 1 to 10. And the answer to that question reflects how much have we been forgiven by Jesus? Scale of 1 to 10. And the answer is 10. Because Jesus loved us so much. He walked the hill of Calvary. He took the nails in his hands and the crown on his head. He laid down his life and shed his precious blood so that we could be forgiven and free. The debt is gone. Jesus says, this woman's sins, which are many, are forgiven. Go in peace. It's gone. Christ bore that on the hill of Calvary for me and for you. One of my great joys as a pastor is to talk to people about Jesus and how much we love Jesus and build just so inspiring sometimes. I was, maybe the, the craziest one was when I was talking to a girl. She's just 11 years old. I was like, why do you love Jesus like crazy? 11-year-old girl says, why do I love Jesus like crazy? He died on the cross for me. That's the least I can do. Those who forgiven much, love much. And those who love much are as bold as this woman, pouring out their adoration to God. 